Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Never, ever give up hope. Never, ever give up hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances and as a result they have a passion and the passion is extended into different areas of their life all having to do with helping others as they have been helped themselves. Many have survived poverty or shame or disease or depression or suicidal attempts and many of them have had to fight to survive and that's what this show gives them those people an opportunity to share their stories and also to encourage us and to incur you know help give us tips so that we can encourage others never ever give up hope is now heard in over 140 countries and it maintains the number one rank on google searches on the subject of hope and what that tells me is there's a lot of people out there who need to hear stories of encouragement stories of hope stories of survival and so i thank each one of my guests who have shared those stories and who have shared their works and their strategies in helping people do just that, find hope and encouragement in their own life. I also thank my listeners because without you guys we wouldn't have a show and so thank you for listening, for contributing, for your feedback and it's greatly appreciated. With me today I have another awesome guest and she has so much to share and I know you're going to enjoy her story and many of you will relate to different parts of her story. Joyce Isaacson is an active blogger author and she's also worked for the Chicago Tribune editorial department for 10 years. Her novel Wish You Were Here Badfinger is a rock fantasy and it has opened up many opportunities for Joyce to help people deal with the loss of a friend or a loved one. And I think this is so appropriate for this time of year as well because so many people are dealing with those losses in their life in this season. So thank you for listening and here is Joyce. Hi Joyce. Hi. Hi Carol. Okay well let's start with your 
betrayals that you had to endure during your childhood because I think so often things that happen in our childhood will pull vault us into areas of our life that we are not necessarily comfortable with and so some of those betrayals and and when you have more than one uh, and in a young person's life in particular very often it can seem hopeless and endless so what happened to you as a young child when you dislocated your hip because that seems to be where this all started so share that story with us if you would please Sure. I was about six years old, and I tripped over a stuffed animal, and I dislocated my hip, and I ended up in the hospital, and they put a cast on me, and it went from my toe all the way to my chest. My my brother, who was only two years old, he helped me a lot at that point. He would get me the things that I needed. He would entertain me. I had my friends. I was sort of a very outgoing child even though this has happened to me. And my mom, she got me a tutor because I was missing school. I actually started to recover, and I came into the school year um, two months after school started. And my teacher, for some reason, I still don't understand this today, she would not teach me and she made all the kids make fun of me. What did that and do my to you mom, as a little girl? Like, how, how did you respond to that? Did you think it was your fault? Yes. I really did at that point. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Right. I blame myself in some ways. I'm like, you know, I came in late. And um, this is what, I guess, happens to somebody who comes in at a later time. I really, I really didn't know what to do. But my, I told my mom about it, and my mom helped me. She talked to the principal. But this was, I would say, four months into the year. Wow. And the uh, teacher, I guess the principal talked to the teacher, and she passed me, even though I didn't really know too much. She didn't teach me, but I passed. And I went to second grade. And in second grade... I still didn't know a lot, but somehow through a wing and a prayer, I passed second grade. And then again, I dislocated my hip again. What? It happened again. And this time, I think it was because I was on ice skates and my body was, I guess my legs couldn't hold me or something. I didn't get a cast this time, but I stayed home from school again, and I came in two months later, and I didn't have any problems with my teacher. I had a problem with the lunch monitor at that point. My mom wrote her a note saying that I have to stay in the school for lunch, but she believed, and she told me to my face, she says, I really believe you belong in a handicapped school, and she wrote that note to my mom. And my mom wrote her a note saying, I disagree with her. All of a sudden, for some reason, she assigned me a seat, but she signed me a seat with two of the worst kids in the school. They were bullies. Like they were against you. That must have been the way you were feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So they started beating me up right there and then, and I felt helpless. And then they started beating me up every day at the in the lunchroom and at recess 
and there was nothing. My mom tried to talk to the principal, and there was nothing they could do. They just keep beating me up. I finally was able to go home for lunch. I was about, I would say, a little less than a mile from my home to go to lunch, and I told my mom I don't want to go to school anymore. And my mom said, "There's, there's a, if there's a will, there's a way." You, you'll find a way. And so I went to school, and on that very day, I was so tired of being beaten up that I climbed the swing set, and I sat on the top. I, I found out it was a good climber. And the two girls that were beating me up were looking up at me, and they were marveling at how I did this and how I was staying on the swing set. And I did this for a couple of months. I would go up there and I would stay up there. I wouldn't come down until the bell rang. You found a way to protect yourself, in other words. Yes. Yes, I did. It was very, very hard. And the gym monitor didn't um, tap into what was going on? No. My not goodness. at all. And you must have felt very much alone. So these are all things that we need to, we need to talk about. But go ahead. Finish up your story there. Well, what happened was, thank goodness, um, one of the sisters of the girl that was beating me up, she came over to me and she said to me, you know, I just talked to my sister and I told her if she beats you up one more time, I'm going to wallop her. But I didn't believe her. And I just sat up there. And the girls, after a little while, didn't come around anymore to me. So I got down. And I became friends with the sister. Huh. So I didn't get beat up anymore, which was a good thing. So that was a victory. Yeah, that was my first victory. And when I went to um, third grade, I was stu- I was. it changed me because I was always an outgoing child and I was more of an inward person after being beat up so much sure. and stuff. And they had a poetry contest, and I was supposed to participate in it. And I poured out all my words and how I felt into this poetry contest. And I talked about the seasons. And I actually won the third grade poetry contest, and I received, (laughs) yeah, I received some kind of a reward. It was like a diploma award. And um, I was really, I was pretty happy about that, and that started my writing career. Believe it or not, that's when I started really write. I started writing a comic strip, and I was just so happy because I won the award, and there was no more bullies and everything. The only thing was that because I was so bullied, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing in school. Mm. I flunked third grade. And that was a real bummer for me. And I didn't know what to do. And my mom said to me, you know, you have to go to summer school and take third grade over again. And I didn't want to do that. And my mom kept saying, don't worry about it. There's a will, there's a way you're going to do it. And um, my dad at the time, he, he was losing jobs left and right and I had to be there for him and I gave him encouragement when he lost his jobs I did go to third grade again 
and I passed and went to fourth grade. And I found out there were a couple of other kids who also had flunked third grade. And these kids, believe it or not, I mean, here they're in fourth grade now. The teacher decided that he would give us extra curriculums so we could pass from fourth grade to sixth grade. And I would do anything for this teacher. He was gorgeous. He was wonderful. He was so nice. And he gave us toys when we did well. And I did. I skipped to sixth grade. Then in seventh grade, I met my, I thought was my best friend. We were, both of us were shy people and we got along very well together. She liked music. I liked music. We just had a good time with each other and my family liked her and she slept over quite a few times and I had, we had a one bedroom apartment, but I had a sunroom. It was converted into a bedroom, so I had my own bedroom because we were very, very poor. Anyway, my parents took her. We went everywhere together. We went on vacation together, we, everywhere. And we, we, we were even thinking of adopting her because she was having problems with her own stepfather at the time. He was abusing her. And we were seriously thinking about it. What happened was, in my sophomore year, I found out that she had a boyfriend. She just made, she just made, I guess, met this guy, and um, she was talking about him, and I guess I was a little jealous, because she had a boyfriend. I didn't have a boyfriend at that time, and I inquired her about it, and she even put him on the phone. And he said he was a guard, and he worked for this one company. And um, I'm like, okay, you know, he sounds kind of, he sounds nice and everything. Okay, she's my, she's my best girlfriend. I trust her. She'll, everything will be okay. But everything was not so okay. I had another girlfriend, because this is very important to the story. Okay. I mean. The other girlfriend, I used to go to her house, and she had a drum set. And I think it was her brother's drum set. And I would go on to the drums because, I I don't know, I, I just took a liking to them. And I would belt out um, a drum beat to uh, Breathe by Pink Floyd. And I, I loved it. And I started to save up a little bit of some money. And... I, and um, my parents said that I could get a drum set. The only thing was, I wasn't sure how I was going to get it home. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. I wasn't sure. My girlfriend, who had relations with this this other this guy, she offered to um, get the drum set home. She would talk to him, and they had a van, and he and his other friend. They both would um, bring the drum home, drum set home. We would go to Biasco and get it. When we got, I told my mom about this, and my mom, for some reason, she had these really strange feelings. And she said, okay, she says, I know I have these strange feelings, but as long as you're back by 5 o'clock, that was my, my curfew. Because I was only 15 and a half at the time. Okay. It turns out that we got there, and... 
the place was closed. And I felt really, really bad about that. And they're like, well, why didn't you, like, call up and find out when they were open before we went all the way down here? And I felt awful. And my girlfriend suggested maybe we should go to the guy's house and, you know, he has to get something anyways, and then we'll take you home. So I said, said, okay, you know, I wanted to, you know, make the day better them because of my mistake. Right. So I went over to his house, and they crashed a little bit, I guess, in the house, and he brought out beer. And my girlfriend opened a beer, and I'm like, I have never had beer before in my life. I started to drink a little bit, and I didn't like the taste. I put it down. Next thing I know, the guy went ahead and handcuffed me to his bed, to the, with, to the uh, rail. And I thought this was a joke. And he's sitting there saying, now you go drink the beer. I won't let you go. And I kind of laughed about it. But then he pulled out his gun. Wow. And he said, drink the beer. And I was terrified. Well, of course you And he poured the beer down my throat, basically. Two cans of beer. And then it became really fuzzy. And I remember being in the bed. And his friend was heavy petting me. And then next thing I knew, he was on top of me. And he was trying to have relations with me. And I heard my girlfriend giggling in the background. And I thought she, first I thought she'd come and rescue me. But she was giggling. And she didn't do anything. And he started to have relations. And it was very, it was an awful feeling for me. And I screamed and I shouted. And he stopped. And he let me go. So and he, he- Essentially, what you're what you're telling me is that bullying really affects us in many ways, especially when it starts as a young child, like it did in your case, starting with teachers yes. and you know other students. I mean, you you basically have have been bullied in from all sides, from you know as a young child right into your adulthood. Now the other thing that I'm I'm glad you touched on and that is that there are many traumas that we experience as children that also take us into having to deal, you know, later on in life. And so that's the pattern that I'm seeing that you're sharing here with us. And you've you've been bullied, you've suffered trauma and 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 actually a, a rape. So you Yes. There are many things that you know that, that people can relate to here. Now, at one point, you decided to turn to drugs. Okay, so what I want you to share is not so much what what happened as far as the reasons that you went into drugs and alcohol, because I think that is evident. But what happened after that? What happened as a result of that? Because your parents caught you, and and your life changed at that point, did it not? Yes, it did. So what it, happened? It changed then? a lot. Well, my I, when I finally came home, I was late, and my father actually he, he beat me up, and to get the answers out of me because I wouldn't tell them okay. what happened. Okay. And that's when I realized that I really didn't care if I lived or died, and okay. I started to take I do something into the whiskey and librium, and my when my parents found out. 
they actually got me a social worker. And he told me that nothing is a coincidence. He said, and he was a godsend because he listened to me, he understood me, and I think in many ways he he really did help me. And um, I finally did get my drum set, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I also became very close to my brother and his friends. But I was... I went through a period in my life where I was very angry at my dad. Very angry. I was I leaned more towards my mom than my dad. But my mom, she said, you know, she got me a big sister from this um, organization. And um, she, I was proud of her because she worked for the Chicago Tribune as a reporter. And she took me just about every place I wanted to go. And she took me to the Tribune, and I saw some of the people actually working, and they were Xeroxing some things, and they were passing out page layouts. And I said, and I asked them about it, and they said, oh, it's a great job and everything, and then I really wanted to do this. And I never expected in my life that this would ever happen, though. But this was something, a goal that I actually had. Then in school... I needed some money, and I got involved in what's called the Seed of the Job program. I started working in a dime store, and that was the most boring, to me, that was the most boring job I could ever have. Just watching kids play with toys and not steal them. After my junior year, I wanted to go back to the Cedar program, and they gave me another job, and this job was more than boring. It was horrible. It was the cleaners. And if you want ever worked at a cleaners, you would know that it's like so hot inside there. It's terrible. But I needed the money so bad. And um, at that point, my um, aunt was having, she was getting married, and they wanted me to be a bridesmaid. So they wanted me to come to Denver. So I asked my boss, I said, if I go to Denver, will I have a job when I come back? Even though I hated the job so much, I still needed that job. And he said yes. So I went to Colorado. My mom was terrified of it, she said later on, because a week before that, that airline had crashed. So I came back, and I asked about my job, and they said, I'm sorry, but we had to let you go. And I said, why? And they said, because nobody showed up at work when you were in Denver. So we had to get a whole bunch of new people. So I lost a job. And so I was... One more one more area where you were betrayed, right? Yes. And is this the kind of things in that pole vaulted you into drinking more? Or I'm trying to find where the pivotal point is here where you where you realize that your life was going in the wrong direction and you needed to make a change. Oh, there's a there's a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> okay. Well, I realize that, and we we certainly have um, you know touched on some of them. Now, you you mentioned at one point that there is a correlation between your own life and what happened when you were working at your husband's radio station because you saw a lot of patterns that they had from their experiences and their lives, and you were already able to be on the other side and and help yourself. Is this kind of what? you know, triggered you to write your novel and to help other people in this way? Yes. 
It definitely was. My husband had a radio station in 2014, and I found out through um, asking my husband about joining a group that um, everybody was hurting, and um, I found out why they were hurting to some degree. I didn't understand it all. Pete and Tommy, those are two of the people that they were upset about that they were happy in heaven and that's something that I really wanted to be when I was a child because my my mom used to talk about heaven so I wrote that blurb and I got my like a hundred different positive comments on it and likes and I said my gosh I'm helping people here oh so that's when the realization came Yeah, I mean, that came to me. Then, all of a sudden, I decided, well, you know, there must be a backstory because I put in all these other different people in there, and how did they get in there? I I found out that everybody was enjoying the story that I I was doing, and I made a backstory. I wrote for two people, and I wrote for them for about six months. And then my friend made me my own Facebook page. My character, when it came to him going to heaven, said to me, I've been looking for my friend Pete forever. I can't find him. But you know what? He says, I didn't meet any people. I need to meet people in the story. I said, you know, thinking, okay, so my mind is playing tricks on me, but okay, I'll listen. And I said, okay, fine. Who would you like to be put in the story he said Janice Joplin I said fine we'll put Janice Joplin in and I just started and putting people in and everybody really enjoyed it and they loved it and then from there after that people started saying I would say about one year maybe two years after I've been writing it they're saying publish it publish it I sat on it for a whole year then, Are you talking about your book now? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you did publish it, and I think that a lot of it has to parallel to your own life. Is that correct? Yes. And as a result, what has happened since the book has been published? Like, how has what's the feedback been? Is it exactly what you expected in that you're helping people as a result of this story, which is really a novel, but yet is your own life in parallel? Uh, yes, I believe I am helping some of the people. Some of the people have come to me that haven't didn't read it, but um, know about my, my site. And um, I became friends with them, and I found out that they were hurting from different reasons, right. and... They were suicidal, and I tried to help them because, you know, I know what it's like to feel that way, and I didn't give up. There were a lot of roadblocks for me, even writing the book. Of course. Is the, you know, you said the book is a novel. Is it a believable novel? Because you also said it's a rock fantasy. It's basically... It has some truth in it, but a lot of it is my from my imagination. And some of the things that I have actually have written in the story I found out were actually true. I found out later. 
And, and who, I didn't know this. Who would be interested in this? Is it um, like is it just a compelling story? It's a it, very compelling story. And what does it have any self-help like intertwined in that? I think it shows that even though we go through all these ups and downs and this character, he wants to find his friend so bad that it, no matter what happens, he keeps doing it. So it's, a, it's and, an encouragement then as well. Yes. Yes, it is. And is it, I don't want you to reveal the ending, but do you think no. that that really helps with... Um, with bringing it all together, like is that how it would be more of a self-help? I definitely agree on that. I think so. Um, everybody that um, has read the book has given me very good reviews on the book. And the type of people who would be interested in it more than for a story, would you? do you think it might be people who have been bullied themselves? Like is that... Uh, an aspect of the book that you touch on? Main character has, in a way, been bullied by his own financial manager. Okay, all right. So you deal with bullying, you certainly deal with trauma, and anything else that might highlight in the book that people could relate to? Well, I believe it's all the ups and downs that people have, and it's trying to find the safety net you have to find a safety net exactly. even if you have to go through other people to find it I and, really believe that and well that's because you certainly had that experience yourself when you're bringing that into the story I had little bumps I had big bumps but I still I was encouraged to keep going and well, I did considering that you've had so many positive reviews what is what is basically um what are they saying? Is it because of the story or because the book actually helped them or both? I think it's both. Excellent. So it would make a good gift as well then. Yes, I definitely agree on that. And the name of the book again is? Wish You Were Here, Bad Finger Rock Fantasy. And it's just not about rock. It has to do with famous people in the story that helps Tommy and his search. It's and a fantasy and a mystery, and and it's in a way, it's helped people because there's been books on Badfinger, unfortunately, that talk about the tragedies so much. Right. And I wanted something that would be more uplifting, um, more uh, challenging in some ways, and entertaining. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now, that's available on Amazon, correct? Yes. And is there anything that you would like to kind of capsulize what you shared today as far as your own traumas and betrayals and that uh, from the message that I'm hearing from you is you can turn this around and turn it into something positive and good, which in your case has not only been in your own life and helping others, but also in your novel that you wrote. Is there anything else you want to share in closing about that? Well, what I'd like to share is basically um, never give up hope. And that's the bottom line. It's because 
you never know what tomorrow holds. Right. It could be a great day. I mean, sometimes I think for you may really punish yourself and you'll never see the good. But there is good. If you There is good, you, yes. You have to stick it out. Yeah, that's, you do. That's the bottom and that's, line. <laughs> and that's what I was telling the people that I was trying to help, you know, who wanted to kill themselves. I tried to help them and say that, don't worry, tomorrow will be better. You know, you got to stick it out and ride the wave. Well, I thank you so much, Joyce, for sharing today. I, you touched on so many areas of problems that people and traumas that people can have in their life and I know that you've given them a great deal to think about and to be able to pick up a novel and possibly get lost in that and not only enjoy the story like you said make it entertaining but also have it speak to you I really think that people would enjoy your story which is wish you were here bad finger a rock fantasy. So again, thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. And you certainly have shared that message today. Never give up hope, no matter where you've come from or what has happened to you. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's also now on Kobo and it's also on um, Smashwords. But on Amazon, it's like right now it's 99 cents for uh, the ebook. Good. And it's 18. Okay. It's $18 for the uh, paperback at this point. All right. Well, thank you for sharing again. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.